Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. This is um, the Practical Preservation Podcast, and today on on the episode we have uh, David Throwbridge with us, and he has created a mobile app um, called Clio um, that helps connect people and places. So I'm excited to uh, speak with him today. Uh, David, thank you for joining us uh, on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. So, how did you get interested in history, or, or how did you how did you kind of get down the come down this path? So, in first grade, um, I found out that our home was at the site where the Santa Fe Trail met the Santa Fe Rail in Burlingame, okay. Kansas. And then in second grade, I found out that the creek where I spent most of my time as a little boy. Um, was also uh, historic, and I, my teacher gave us uh, what I would come to know as a primary source in my college years. Uh, it was a letter from a pioneer written at while he was at the creek where I, I played most of my days. Oh, very cool. So it connected all of that. Yeah, so, so yeah. history for most kids growing up in a place like Kansas is distant, and it's, it's in Boston. But thanks to uh, this simple intervention on behalf of my teachers, I had two bookends for history, one on one edge of our property and one on the other, so that everywhere I looked, I could sort of imagine uh, these pioneers coming across the West. And and that sort of fueled what became a, a lifelong interest in history. That's and 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 that that kind of that makes sense to me. Knowing what I know about your your app is that connection of you know the history with with our present day. Um, so tell 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 me and tell tell the listeners about about Cleo. So Cleo is named in honor of the ancient muse of history. Uh, muse, of course, whispers to you and inspires you. And the word muse is also the base for the word museum. And we love museums because you can just walk and explore, and everything around you is an opportunity to learn more. I'm trying to sort of create that digitally, where you can just walk around in the physical landscape, and just as what happened to me uh, as a young man, I could, I could sort of see and feel the history around me. You can learn about historical landmarks, buildings, uh, find nearby museums, learn more about historical markers. Um, and for preservationists, you can learn about 
in the backstory of each of these historic buildings should be the right. preservation story. And then, of course, you can also create what we call time capsule entries. And these are uh, entries for places that we may have lost or entries for things like a, a civil rights sit-in, that maybe there's no marker or monument, but we know exactly where it can happen. It sort of has this time capsule feel where you can embed photographs and oral histories so you can, uh, you can sort of feel like the event is happening right around you. Is that, um, like if the building is not there anymore, is that what those, those entries are for predominantly? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, okay. some preservationists have enjoyed creating <laughs> sort of a, a GIF image uh, or GIF, GIF, whichever one people yeah, use. Yeah. Uh, those images that, that fade really between a few photographs. And so the image might be of the parking lot that's there now, but then it fades into the beautiful Victorian uh, mansion that was demolished. Uh, so these sort of time capsule entries can, can uh, talk about the, the places that used to exist as well as historic events. And it's been a, a pretty strong argument on behalf of, of, of preservation when you can see the places we've lost or when you get to yes. learn the backstory about the places we saved. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that because I think that people, from a preservation standpoint, because that's my background, is people, people feel more of a connection to a building if they can you know, feel that, that connection between people and things, or people and places, um, because then you, then you have an emotional attachment. You're more willing to just say, oh, this is just an old building. We should get rid of it. I was, I was very impressed um, that you have over 32,000 historical entries and 5,000 daily users. Um, yes. Does that fluctuate your, your daily usage, or does it stay pretty steady? So it explodes in summertime. Okay, uh, that's what I was traveling. thinking, like while people yeah. were traveling, yeah. Yeah, so, so our, um, every once in a while I check our, ra our rankings on, on different sites that keep track of traffic. And, you know, it's always sad to see the traffic go down from its peaks, but it's still it's <laughs> sort of reassuring that people are using it while they're traveling. Right. And that's been, yeah. that was kind of one of my ideas of uh, there are just times when people care about history, and for a lot of people, it's when they're traveling, so this gives us an opportunity to catch them at those moments. Yes. So why, why did you start the app? What, what started you down this journey? I know before we started recording, you, you had mentioned, you know, you, you're starting your, your, light, your, you know, your career path as a professor. You never imagined you'd, you'd be an app developer. So, so how right. did you get here? So I've been doing projects with my students uh, at each university. We... Uh, uh, wrote a book together when I was at the University of Kansas. We did the same thing when I was at Towson in Baltimore. And uh, so by the time I got to Marshall about 10 years ago, uh, I thought, well, let's make a website and make it, uh, you know, something that teachers could use for local history. And then after a while, I thought, you know, well, let's try making an app. I got the idea when I was at a conference. Uh, I had never been to this city before. I'm walking around trying to learn as much as I can in about an hour. But uh, when you have to carve into stone or metal, you have to be pretty concise. So there wasn't right. there's really no easy way for me to find answers to the questions of the backstory behind these beautiful buildings. And, and then it was time for lunch, and I pulled up an app that told me um, everything I could possibly want to know about restaurants around me. And I thought, someone needs to build this for history. Yeah. So it started yeah. really local. It was... Um, really just uh, my students here at Marshall, and they picked their hometown, and it was going to be, I figure, just maybe this side of West Virginia. 
Um, right. Over time, people liked the idea, and I thought, well, I can, I can adjust the code to let other professors create entries with their students. And then we decided to adjust the code further so that historical societies, uh, museums, libraries, archives, all these different organizations that are the keepers of local history, that they could do the exact same thing. And it's completely free. Right. Um, so so do, you, how do, do you choose the sites to be on the app, or do people come to you with nominations? How, how are the sites chosen? Yeah, so with 32,000 entries, I can't be as involved <laughs> as, right. as I might like. Um, so the, the answer to, the, to that riddle has just always been uh, we allow organizations to create accounts. We give them vetting privileges after we make sure it, it's really the historical society. We always just ask when you sign up as an organization, please use your official email address. Right. Um, uh, but then, so all the entries will be created by the Johnsonville Historical Society or um, uh, the local library. The person who runs that account then gets to be the one to review all of the draft entries. They can create entries with staff, trusted members, where they uh, log in under, underneath them using a shared set of credentials that they, that they, that they share with people, uh, login credentials that they share with people who they trust. Those individuals can create entries in draft mode uh, rough drafts that only they can see, and the administrator, the person in charge of that account for the historical society, they get to go in and review all of those, make edits, make suggestions, and when they're ready, they hit the green button, and they're published. So, so the it's not um, anybody can't just do it. it. It needs to be like a, um, a historical society or or an organization like that. Is that correct? That's where most of the entries are coming from. Okay. But we did leave the possibility for individuals to also create and edit entries. Um, we, those go into a queue for review, and it's myself and some other volunteers, some graduate students. Every time I can get a, a from donations, we will create stipends. Um, okay. you know, so uh, after a bunch of small dollar donations, we have enough for maybe a $1,000 stipend. I'll have a graduate student, and they review those entries. Um, just for accuracy. What we found was because we review the entries on the front end, uh, there, we really haven't had the problems Wikipedia has had. Um, right. Wikipedia, of course, that was, is anonymous, yeah. and yeah. They, you edit on the front end. Everything gets pushed through immediately. Uh, fortunately, there's enough people with Wikipedia that, that you know, the vandalism gets cleared up usually pretty quickly, but um, we thought it would be much better if it wasn't anonymous, so that you know where the information is coming from. It's coming from right. your local historical society. It's coming from your museum. Because I want people to know how important the local library is. Um, every small town has a local history section um, right. maintained by passionate, knowledgeable, and I want them to get credit, and I want the people to know why their library matters, why their historical society matters. So. Uh, Anonymity doesn't work, I think. I think it matters who is writing the entry, and we want it to give credit. So you can see the version history in each entry, and you can see exactly where the information is coming from. And of course, I'm a historian. I want to cite my sources. So Right, those, yeah, those that, and exactly. that was one thing I really yeah. liked about that, yes. Yeah, I, I, wrote, I wrote in my, my notes when I was, when I was you know, reading some of the articles that you sent me, and I will make sure that they are on our website too. And then also, you know, the, you're re going through the website. I was like, oh, it's kind of like Wikipedia, but you're reviewing it. So it, it, does, have, it does have a little bit more weight to the, to the information there. Yeah, and Wikipedia has um, become great over the 15 years. It has, yeah. It's it's more. It's definitely more more vetted than it was initially, at least. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, for yeah. for I mean, I'm I'm old enough to know when academics just cursed it. Right. And it was usually it was oftentimes hilariously wrong. Uh, <laughs> now now there's a community. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, of course, the problem is they also they they don't allow people to to self-identify, and so you you still don't know where the information is coming from, which uh, in some instances is exactly right. But I would argue with 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 local history, you want to know it's coming from the local historical society, and if it's wrong, right. then we know we know who needs to know it's wrong. Right, so and it and it can corrected. be corrected. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and not just in Clio, but um, on their own records. Yes, yeah, yeah, and and you get that sometimes somebody's somebody's writing their version of history, <laughs> and it yeah. it might not be with malicious intent. It's just you know it puts things in better light. Or <laughs> yeah. well, we we yeah. all get it yeah. wrong, and we're yeah. always you know we're always improving, finding more sources, a, finding more information. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all we have is a thesis to be to be improved over time with more information. Yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, maybe they really thought the building was, was, was created in 1873, and that's what it's always been said. But someone in the town had the document. Well, right. this is a way for that yeah. to get information to be found. Yes, yeah. So you talked a little bit about the review process for the entry. So is that, is that like the majority of your time now is spent reviewing, reviewing the entries as, as needed, or is that um, – is is there? I know you said you have graduate students that also help. Is that time consuming? I guess is what my question. Oh is. yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've got a, a four four <laughs> load in the heart of Appalachia, so I, I've got a full teaching load, and then I do this kind of in my own time, which um, there is not enough of for anybody. But um, I've got a five and a six year old, and they they also deserve my time. So right, uh, I yeah, try to make hard. this something that could kind of run itself. Um, based on the structure of it. And so I spent a lot of my time working with uh, developers to make the uh, app smooth and simple for users and also um, really intuitive for authors and organizations so that uh, there's over 300 organizations and 100 and some professors that are using it with their students. Uh, usually they get about one or two emails a day. Oh, that's so, not that's not that at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it becomes manageable as long as, uh, but boy, if there's ever a glitch in there, and and that happens, right? Um, I just look at my inbox and I'll see. <laughs> and, I know, and you with all the same problem. Wrong. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so I did think it was interesting because in the marketing world, you know, you the goal is to keep people on your site. You want to keep them contained so they don't go off and find other things. But you encourage people to leave the app to find out more information, you know, having source documented and the augmented reality, which I think is what you were talking about with the mm -hmm. time capsule entries. Um, I, I think that's really, like, I think having people dig deeper in, I think that's really cool. But did you get any pushback, or was that always your vision? Well, that was always the goal. Um, okay. I want people, I mean, it's a mobile app that I hope gets you to stop using your phone. I right. Mean, I want you to go visit the place. I want you to, 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 to start planning your next trip uh, to appreciate the history around you. And, and that includes clicking on links, and I want to give credit to all of the places where the images and the information come from, and I want to drive traffic, both physical and virtual, to the best websites, the best museums, 
historical societies and others. Um, I didn't create Clio because I was trying to – I've already got the, the second best job in the world. I, I, can't <laughs> throw her, I can't throw or hit a 95-mile-hour fastball. So that's right. the best job in the world. But, <laughs> you know, I, short of, of playing Major League Baseball, this is it for me. I get right. to – I get to study the, the history of America and share it with other people. So I don't want to have customer service. You know? Right. So I don't want it to and, be for profit. Right. So, yeah, I, wanna, I want people, I want it to be something that, that uh, rewards people for creating good content because it helps, you know, they can include links to their work. Um, and I just want people to discover more history and also discover the people and organizations. Right. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense to me, and it's a different goal. It's a different goal than than keeping somebody on a site or you know in in your in your in your area. You're trying to you're trying to get them to interact with the history and make it make it part of their lives rather than just something that happened in the past. Yeah. So I I I have never developed an app, so I'm I'm wondering uh, what do you wish that you knew when you got started that you know now? Like, is it was it a lot harder, or what what was the experience like developing an app? Well, from a tech perspective, um, and, and and this is advice that's absolutely impossible to follow because you don't know if it's going to become anything. Right. But <laughs> ideally, I would have. We just released Clio 2.0, and okay. it's built from the ground up intentionally. Prior to that, and that was funded by a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities. Okay. Prior to that, it was something that was you know made in my attic, and then when it started to do well, I um, I started working with a local developer. Um, we got some donations. We were able to start building it right, but it was sort of. Uh, every time we added a new feature, it was sort of like digital duct tape, trying right, to make it yeah. all still work together. Um, ideally, <laughs> I would have had the resources to build it right the first time, but that's never yeah. going to be the case. So and you kind of needed a track record. Yeah. You kind of yeah, needed yeah, no to make sure that it would work. Yeah. No one was gonna, right. There was nothing in my history that suggests I could even pull this off. <laughs> so, right. you know, the first version is clumsy, but it worked. And you know, just start. Just go ahead and start building. Um, and then, if you do well, hopefully you'll get the resources to do better and rebuild. And that's that's right. sort of been our 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 challenge is finding donations and grants so that we can build. We're really close to a new feature where you could download a walking tour in advance and use oh, it very offline. Cool. Yeah. Um, so you you don't even have to have a cell signal. And you'll see um, a pin for the last place on the walking tour connected to the, ne- the, the next place where you're going with a path. And then you see a little blue dot where you currently are. Uh, and that's all if it's, com- it's completely offline without even a cell signal. So you can do hiking trails um, and learn about the, the human and, and also natural history all around you. Right, so yeah, and have it all connect. Yeah. 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 But of course it all, you know, it, it the app is free but it's not free to develop. So that's been one of the <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah, and and having yes. Um so is that your biggest challenge then um the funding for it? Right. Or is right. there but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funding because everything kind of comes down to that. You know, I want right. to build these new features. I have these ideas for you just could be able to hold your phone up in the middle of downtown and pan around and 
all of the, you just see photographs of all the buildings um, in black and white, you know, like, a, like, like you were uh, time traveling. And you could hear stories all around you uh, because we've added audio. So you can have a narrator and you could just sort of walk as if, the veil between the past and the present was 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 evaporating. Right, with that course, with that aug- you know, augmented reality, yeah, yeah. And you know, my, I'm sure most people's first experience with augmented reality was like the Pokemon Go game. <laughs> I remember yeah. when we were sitting someplace and my husband had his phone up, and I'm like, "But they're not there!" And you know, he laughs right. at me because that's how like it takes me a second to figure out technology. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. And that was, and, and I think yeah. that when, when Pokemon came out, our traffic tripled. And that's not, right. you know, because every, yeah. that was just people who were using that game also knew, who, who happened to also know about Clio thought, because they were out in the world. And they right, so they could be out thought, looking at things, yes. I want to learn more about this. And so that <laughs> game really, you know, because you saw it take off because it was cool right. and neat. Yeah. But it kind of tapered down after that. And I think we'll see the same thing, you know, if, we, if all we're doing is just adding augmented reality historical photos, I think it'll be the same thing. People will go crazy for it, right. but then it'll sort of taper off. The trick then is adding a story for each image. Yes. And that's, that's really where it comes down to, you know, we're going to need, you know, because the challenge is funding, not just to build the platform and maintain it, but to, to be able to offer stipends for graduate students to constantly be creating and reviewing content. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that 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 makes that that makes sense to me. And I we're back to you know connecting the connecting the people and places together. And I think if you have that story and you realize that you know people aren't that different than they were you know 100, 200 years ago. You know we're still people and we still have the same. You know that connection I think makes makes a difference. Yeah, the technology um, isn't radically yeah. new. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. 200 years ago, they had the stereoscopic images that were three-dimensional, and you would go to a thing called a panorama uh, in the 1860s where you would look and see a 100-foot mural being scrolled in front of you while you heard a narrator and uh, uh, talking uh, and, and music in the background. So you could, you could, it was like you were there at the Nile or there at the Mississippi River going, right. going yeah. south. To nor- to, that's augmented reality. And it's 1866. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. I know. I know you said you were in Townsend. Have you ever been to um, the Cyclorama in Gettysburg? No, I haven't seen it, but okay. I, I know about that, it. Yeah. They just they just restored it. And when you said that, I'm thinking that's exactly what that is. I just never knew that. That's what that was yeah. called. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's new technology, yeah. but it's yeah. just a new tool to do the same thing we've always wanted to do. Ultimately, it comes down to telling a story, and the technology is just a hook. Right. Yeah. And and that that that's very true. Okay. So how can someone help or get involved? You know, what, what how can someone how how what do you need? So you can uh, anyone can donate on the website. Uh, okay. And we're 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 a five hundred one c three, so everything is tax deductible. Um, and the other thing you can do is you can add really good local content. You can sign up as an individual. Uh, better yet, if you can work with an organization and sign up as that organization because we could just give them vetting privileges where they can create the content in their town. Um, okay. That's been the model. Uh, it's, it's always interesting to see, you know, Cleo can be really, really good in, in one town and only have an entry or two in the next. And that's just right. because people in that town 
knew it existed <laughs> and decided <laughs> we're going to do That's something. That's true. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, and and how can our our listeners get in contact with you if they would like to start adding local content or, um, or you know have any questions or want to figure out you know other ways they could work with you? Yeah, so you can. Uh, it's all on. on it's thecleo.com. Um, okay. Clio.com is legal software, and they were there first. Um, okay. So it's I, I added the in front of it. Um, there were no good Clio URLs available, which is, which is, I guess is okay, but um, so right. you go to thecleo.com, and they can just go ahead and create a, a personal account or an account as an organization, and uh, they can start creating entries. Uh, with the organizations, they'll get an email from me saying, you're all set, you're ready to go when I, when I approve the request, um, and then there's, of course, contact information on there. It's just cleo at thecleo.com. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, when users go on the site, they can see some of the really good entries. Uh, we've got instructional videos on there. We've got a ton of guides and rubrics for students as well as uh, community members that want to make entries as part of an organization. Tried to make it pretty self-contained. Um, I always like to hear from people that have ideas for uh, partnerships and new features. Um, you know, I've got a, a growing wish list of what I want to create, but it's important yes. to always have ideas. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for um, for speaking with me today. Is there anything else that I didn't cover that you wanted to share? Or? No. It just it gets a little better each day, uh, and that's because of people and organizations all over the country are adding entries usually about 10 per day on average. So uh, with just a little bit of work, uh, a community can build a complete walking tour. They can, if they want, include a narrator with that walking tour, and they can embed audio at each entry and along the walk. So the walking tours have been, it's a newer feature, but we already have over 600 of them throughout the United States. Oh, that's very cool. And then you could even theme them. Yeah. You yeah. could like see like if somebody wants to study something specific, you could you could really niche down. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. So there's a historic homes tour for our town. There's an African American history tour. There's three downtown walking tours. We also have a campus walking tour where you can hear uh, former faculty members and alumni uh, sort of narrating oh, your walk. Yeah. And it's sort of this if these walls could talk sort of feel. Yes. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I, I am I'm um, excited to share share this information uh, with our listeners, and I thank you again for for your for taking some time today to to talk to me. Oh, thank you very much. I hope it's helpful. Yes, it is. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.